retirement and hey what's up everybody welcome to bible and banter uh sorry we're a little bit late we got we started talking about uh what we're gonna do when we retire and justin uh apparently is making enough money over there at ecgc that he's gonna retire in cancun and uh sit my sit my ties all day by the beach isn't that right justin I, I I don't know what a Mai Tai is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we uh, so you got Mike and myself, and we have the distinct privilege of hosting um, Justin, who is possibly the smartest, most definitely the best looking um, uh, person we've ever had on the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to dispute any of that because I don't know that at all. So. so, some of you, some of you might know that Justin and I uh, actually host a podcast that we haven't released any new episodes in a while, despite having some saved up that we'd done several months ago. But Tom Stingian hasn't released them recently. But you can follow that podcast um, under the Renewed Church Podcast on iTunes, and I don't know if it's anywhere else, but I know it's at least on. Apple Podcast. So you can go there. And Justin is the preeminent uh, church health guy in our denomination. In fact, you're getting a, Justin, aren't you getting a master's at South, what, is it Southwestern or Midwestern? It's, in, mid, it's Midwestern. It's Midwestern. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In church revitalization, right? Mm, yeah. Cool. Yep. Cool. So right. how far along are you in, in that? I'm actually finished. Just finished. So. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations, man. Well, not, wow. not, Dude, it not seems every, like just yesterday you started. Yeah, not everybody can be an MD from Gordon Conwell. So some of us have to go have lesser ambitions. So well, I don't think, Mike, do you have an MD from Gordon Conwell? Wow. I feel like MDs from Gordon Conwell are a rarity in our circles. If someone's gone to Gordon Conwell, they have like two master's degrees, but they're not MDs. Uh, MDs, yeah. that's the grand prize, the MDs. <laughs> so, so you just finished. Wow. So, I thought you just started that, man. I didn't re- – time flies. Yeah, it gets by quick. Wow. How many classes were you taking a semester? Um, Probably just two, I guess. Why is it so funny, Mike? <laughs> just, just watching and listening to Justin is one of my favorite things because he's just so <laughs> – Perpetually disinterested. <laughs> His face is just perpetually disinterested. <laughs> and I love it. It just tickles me. <laughs> it, it for good uh, broadcasting, I guess. <laughs> well, for any con- any consolation, Justin, I remember when I candidated at, at the church that I'm at, um, you know, some people had listened to our Renewed, Renewed Church podcast and they were disappointed because they thought you were me and I was you. And when I showed up, they're like, I don't like your voice nearly as much as I like Justin's. Well, it's, it's the, it's the soothing Southern drawl. That's what, that's what they like. Four Oaks. So. Justin, you should, Are you in Four you Oaks should, or Benson? I can't remember. Uh, technically Four Oaks, but if you okay. ask people around here, we're not really in Four Oaks. That's okay. yeah. I don't understand that, but that's okay. Um, you should read children's books, man. Like do odd, like audio children's books with your, you really do. We're not, I'm not giving you a hard time, but you do have a good voice. For it. Well, that's very kind. I think I'm kind of nasally, but I appreciate it. Hey, uh, you know what? We're bucket fillers here on Bible and Banter. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so aside from that, uh, Wow, I mean that's such huge news. How do you top? Like, I feel like asking Mike, you know, how's his week going? What's new with him? But we can't top graduating from the illustrious Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Yeah, no, we can't. There's nothing, nothing. That's creme de la creme. Yeah. Well, again, it's not Gordon Conwell, but it'll do. Uh, well, you know, I'd say it's probably better, but that's, that's not as <laughs> Don't don't be, don't don't feel. Don't be bitter that I hassle you for going to Jerry Falwell University. <laughs> uh, well, it's Trump University now. So. <laughs> uh, well, no, man. Like, listen, I was at Gordon. I, I took like, man, probably half my degrees from Gordon Caldwell. And I really appreciate the classes that I took there. But Liberty, um, far more flexible, at least in, in the course offerings and the ability to achieve my degree and move on to the next, uh, next that phase. Is, so. That is true. I would, I would yeah. probably agree with that. Yeah. That so, so Mike, um, aside from being a loser and, mm-hmm. and um, not having graduated from anything recently, what's new with you, man? 
Uh, it's uh, Holy Week. Yep, it is. It is Holy <laughs> Week. <laughs> that's, that, here's, that's for sure. Here's, you know, I mean, last year was weird because it was the pandemic pretty much shut down every Easter celebration, at least in person. Um, and so this year we're we're ramping up, but the and it, this kind of goes to um, what we're gonna maybe dip and dive and talk about today. But um, I've never been one for like doing something necessarily out of the ordinary, just according to whatever church calendar you may or may not use. Um, and so I get stressed out this week because we add a couple extra things. Like we're doing a, we're doing a, just a little prayer vigil Thursday night. And, uh, and then we do an early service Sunday morning, but outside of that, we, uh, we just kind of keep it normal. Um, because I've always, I, I always get stressed out because what you win with them with is what you keep them with. And so we don't want to do like special dramas and this and that, unless those are part of the natural course of our church, because then they'll be coming back and being like, Hey, I thought we, you were this, 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 or this. So, um, but anyway, so it's just, just, uh, another week with a few added, uh, added, uh, opportunities to worship and, and pray. That's good. So. Uh, Justin, do you like, cause I'm interested because, you know, of course, Mike and I are local church pastors and, you know, you serve in a local church as a deacon. Um, and, but you're also, you know, talk to a lot of churches across our denomination, probably even outside of our denomination. Do you see, like, I've always been curious about this. And before I share my own train of thought about it, I, I want to hear what you think. Um, when it comes to like things like Christmas and Easter, do a lot of churches do like a specific Christmas message? Like they just, they, they preach on the, uh, on the birth of Jesus and then on, on resurrection Sunday, they preach on the resurrection of Jesus or what have you seen and kind of, what do you think is best practice? Well, yeah, no, definitely. That's what you see um, is that particularly around Easter and Christmas, um, because again, those are, I mean, those are directly tied to biblical events. And so that makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, and even around now around here, and I can't speak more really more broadly, but we tend to see a lot of um, what Matt Broadway calls Hallmark holidays celebrated in churches too, where, you know, they Father's Day sermon and a Mother's Day sermon and a Valentine's sermon. And the, you know, you see a lot of that as well. Um, you know, obviously that doesn't happen in churches that, practice sort of an, an expository type of uh, preaching schedule, but um, more topical kinds of ministries. You do see a lot of that, but yeah, I think it's almost always at Christmas and Easter, you see a shift in whatever they're doing. I mean, at our church, you know, uh, Travis has been preaching through first Corinthians and that he stopped uh, for just for two weeks that he's going to deal with, with Holy week with Palm Sunday and then, and then Easter Sunday. So so yeah, is that kind of like an every year, like an annual thing? Yeah. Like, hey, we're we're gonna do this every Palm Sunday, every Easter. We're gonna preach on some aspect of the triumphal entry and then the resurrection. Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. typically that's that's how it seems to work most most of the time that I've seen. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Mike. Uh, Mike. What? What do? Mike, you there? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, were you tying your shoe? No, I was looking for something. Okay. Um, so, so what do you guys do? Um, do you preach every single year on Easter on the resurrection or how do you, how do you handle that? Yes and no. The Okay. So I actually said this on Sunday, we're going through John and I, um, and the, the wonderful lady in our church that kind of plans the music and everything said, uh, so uh, I tried to choose Palm Sunday sermons, uh, or music because this is the only time we year we get to sing them, but I noticed you're not preaching a Palm Sunday sermon. <laughs> and so I got up in front of everybody and I said, you know, everybody, I am going to connect this to Palm Sunday a bit, but just so you know, after 10 years, there's only so much you can say about the triumphal entry. <laughs> so I just kept on, I am, I am taking a break and doing your, your typical, 
you know, Easter sermon. And I generally do try to plan for Advent, take a break and do an Advent series and, and everything. But uh, I'm not, I don't feel outside of maybe some expectation that that's what you're going to do around this time of year, overly compelled to force for shoe, shoehorn in a special sermon for that special event. Uh, because I, I tell everybody, the reason we worship on Sunday is because of Easter. So every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, I'm trying to, in a, in a kind way, you know, share that, but old habits die hard. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I, I really appreciate how you guys are approaching or at least shared how, how others have approached it, what you've seen. Um, I don't know, man, like I've, I've struggled with this, you know, as I try to process like, Oh, should I do a special Easter? Uh, and I'm not like, it's already Tuesday. It's too late to change for me. At least it's too late to change the, the sermon for Sunday, but I, you know, we're, we're going through uh first Samuel through second Kings. And I look at that and go, you only get 52 Sundays a year to preach in, in, you know, I want to, um, you know, taking, you know, if you took Palm Sunday, you took Easter, you took Christmas and I don't know, is there anything else in there? Um, um Labor Day, Memorial Day, <laughs> Fourth of <laughs> July. <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble, man. So, so like those, but I look at that and go now, if, if I'm preaching on, on specific, like if I'm here for 20 or 30 years and I preach on those things for 20 or 30 times, I go, man, is that best time served? I mean, if I'm, if I'm preaching the text rightly from whether it's first Samuel, second Kings or somewhere in the gospels, I mean, shouldn't I always be, shouldn't we always be preaching the life, death and resurrection of Christ? Like in each sermon, right? So how does it, so I kind of look at it and go, it's almost at least in, I haven't yet discovered the the necessity to to change, and that could change next year or whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of been the way I've approached it. Um, I do have a question for Justin, though, real fast. I want to ask him if he remembers this. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I do remember that. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, because some somebody who won't be named was at our office and put a. Um, Profanity on my whiteboard. It, it, it was in Greek, though. So I had to ask somebody what it was, but it turned out it was not a nice what? word. Yeah. First off, if it was Mike, profanity. I, I, didn't, I didn't even well, realize. Well, I mean, maybe that's too strong a word. I, I don't know. It's No, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize Mike um, had the, the command of biblical Greek and Hebrew. Yeah, well, to... I think this particular word. I know all I, the swear words. If I understand it correctly, this particular passage, like all seminarians who learn Greek, like this is a word they all know because it's so out of kind of out of character. So if I understand that correctly. Yeah. But, mm. And everybody now is going to their pastors and saying, hey, what do you think Pastor Mike said on the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, so yeah. Uh, getting to getting to topic, right? So we we wanted to talk about kind of good ways and bad ways where churches have done some sort of outreach approach um, during either the time of Advent, leading up to Easter, or or around Easter time. And and I'm really interested to hear what you guys have. Um, I've I asked a couple of other pastors to hear some of the worst things they've heard um, because it's really easy to probably make fun of those things. Um, and then and then we want to move on to like, hey, here. So here's here's the junk that is junk, really. Like here here's some really bad ways to do outreach around Easter time, uh, or re really any time, and then move toward hey, here's a a good approach or a mm. better approach, a biblical approach. So, yeah. um, so maybe we just start like, what's the worst stuff you've heard that churches have done as far as trying to do outreach um, around Easter time? New car giveaway. Wait, really? is that a real thing? That was wow. like a few years ago. Wow. There was some mega church that was, you know, if you showed up and put your name in, then then you could win a new car. And they had TVs you could win. You could win, you know, different things. Um, 
Yeah, I can't remember what church it was, but I remember reading that, and I'm like, good golly. Was it like one there locally in Maine? No, this was out west where all okay. all you mega church people the, are. The worst thing I've ever, I, I, I think the worst thing I've ever heard was this big mega church, South Carolina. I said the pastor's name, you know who it was. Uh, their band on Easter morning played, their opening song was Highway to Hell by ACDC. Oh, who was that? I think I know. That was, that was down in North Carolina. That's it was, right. It was Perry Noble. Yeah, but, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, I mean, he, he was proud yeah. of it too. Yeah, he was. This was, and that, that's the, probably the worst thing I've ever heard as a way of sort of trying to be attractional. How do you, how do, how do you justify that? Uh, he now, somehow, you know. Now Perry know. Noble isn't he the isn't he the mega church pastor that essentially stepped down from from uh, from church ministry because of of alcohol addiction. Oh, I, think I, I think that's correct. I, I mean, okay. he, he he was removed for some reason. Yeah, um, I, I wonder remember. if he was drunk for that part. Yeah, well, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, he he tried to defend it, um, but it was like, I mean, I, you know, but again, I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. As man, far as listen, <laughs> nobody loves. I love ACDC, man. I grew up listening to ACDC, but like. That's not, that's, <laughs> there's no place for that in, in right. the worship of God. I don't see how that, yeah, that's rough. Uh, oh. Just look, looking at Meredith's real quick comment, which I appreciate, um, you know, our, my context is a little different being in, in uh, uh, you know, northern New England where we're spiritually numb. Uh, some churches do grow a bit in visitor visitation, you know, especially families like to come on Sunday before they go out for Sunday dinner and, and everything like that. But our church doesn't really increase in extra visitors at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mostly because we're, we're committed and there's actually other churches that um, are easier to access and get to if you're going to just pop in once or twice a year. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think it's very wise if you have a lot of visitors to a super clear gospel message around the the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. So I think that's wise, knowing the culture of your church of what happens this time of year. Mm -hmm. uh, but my my big thing is we don't generally do like these big outreach things because I I, I just I don't, maybe jo Justin you know the statistics on this, but how often do people do churches actually keep the people that they've outreached to on Easter? Or if there's anything really statistically connected to that, um, I you know I don't really know. I think it'd probably depend from church to church. I I want to I guess I'm gonna I want to quibble a little bit not with you guys but with so much with the idea of this being outreach. This is not outreach. You know when we're talking about services, not this is not that's not outreach. Uh, that's people coming to us. That's right. You know right. So just to make a distinction there, I think outreach is the church going out. Right. And I think find ways to do that. Mm, um, that's but, you know, some some churches have better sort of follow up procedures uh, to make connections with people. And 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 it just depends. I, I think I can't remember, but it seems like if you get, you know, 100 visitors in a year and if you have, like, you know, a 10 or 15 percent return, like that's really good. <laughs> so, um so again, it's 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 not you know you're not going to get a lot of people back regardless. But your comment earlier was I think is so important too. What you win people with is what you win people to. Mm -hmm. And so if you if you put on a show, then you're going to have to keep giving them a show as a general rule. So mm -hmm. I, I think that would sort of be what I would where I would be really cautious. And I I think pastors and churches that do any of this stuff do it with the best of intentions. I, I don't think there's any sort of um, malevolence there or anything. I think they're really trying to do what they think will be effective to reach people with the gospel. I mean, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's good. That's to good. Be, to be fair, uh, even with critical things. I think, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so I've heard a few people say helicopter. We actually had a church in our area do a helicopter um, egg drop uh, a few years back and, and I don't think this one's necessarily bad, but a lot of churches will do some sort of Easter egg hunt. I know of one church that actually offered 
Um, if you came Sunday morning, you could get a fan. We had a profession. They had a professional photographer do family portraits. I actually liked that idea <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but so well, I actually, you know, Mike, I, so the, the whole family portrait idea, um, I like that. I don't hate that idea either. And I'll tell you why, because most people like every church I've been to, like, I don't know if this, every church I've been to it seems that families go up to the front of the sanctuary at the end of the service and like get a family photo taken anyway. Um, and I think it's nice. It's cute, you know, because uh, Easter has become more than, um, I don't want to say more than, but it, it's a, it's a cultural holiday for most people in the United States. And it's not a religious holiday for most people in the United States. And I think that as the church, we've kind of co-opted the cultural aspect of it as well. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing as long as it doesn't miss the point of why we're celebrating um, Easter. And it's the resurrection, not for bunnies and eggs. So um, like our, our church this Sunday is actually doing, um, so so my associate pastor, Matt Rice, his, his wife, Jess, um, volunteered to essentially she's going to take people's pictures as they're walking in we have a cross set up uh, outside the uh, the door um in our church and we've surrounded it like with pretty flowers and plants and all that stuff and she's going to take pictures and then by the end of the service have them all printed out and stuck in a frame for all the families that come into the church like to me i'm like man that's pretty sweet and it's not necessarily the idea of outreach but it's the idea of like pro you know doing something nice for people in the congregation. You know, I think it's, I think it's, it's kind of cool that way. Um, so the helicopter egg drops, the worst one I've heard is probably the one that, that Nathaniel shared above. Um, he actually told me about that earlier today. So as he explained it to me, there was a church in Attleboro um, where he was pastoring pre previous to where he's at now in a huge church that would have a helicopter egg drop, but also give away iPads, TVs, video games, and all that. But it would require people to show up on Easter Sunday and then the following Sunday. So if you didn't show up on, on either of those Sundays or you missed one for whatever reason, then it didn't qualify you for those, those gifts, those prizes. And it's only a real outreach if there are testaments in the, in the eggs that they drop. <laughs> testaments what, I, I, what kind of testament can you fit in that? well they actually make little testaments they're like mints oh. that have like a cross printed on them or whatever oh man I didn't even know that no. wow. hey we uh, I'm getting feedback from somebody yeah, okay, I fixed it that was me okay. <laughs> Justin the communications expert <laughs> um, so yeah that's that's really terrible. And then <laughs> Catherine, how do you like this one, Mike? What would you think about dressing up in a bunny outfit? Um, um, more than I normally do. You dress up like a bunny. <laughs> I'm in, I'm sold. I'm in. So, so Catherine says, I knew of a church in Massachusetts who had uh, their pastoral team dress up in bunny suits and run around the town to pass out flyers and free candy. Doing evangelism the Jesus way. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. Um, what else do we got here? Well, welcome back, Justin. <laughs> Mer Meredith, Meredith is claiming that you've been watching TV this whole time. No, I was... Uh... It, it's I hey I was off looking for that old sign you hung up to invite me away. I was from reading. Office. I was reading comments on my phone. That's what I was. Oh, okay. I'm not in this in Facebook. I'm in the. There's a uh, to the right. There should be a thing that says private chat or comments, and the comments will. Oh, okay. Go, All right. Nice. Yeah. Thank no. you. Yeah. That's very helpful. Thank you. Um, Palma makes an incredibly great point, and actually, Palma. Hey, I want you to know I I prayed for for you and and your husband Ed today. Palma is a big. Uh, big supporter of the show and uh, Luke's actually her pastor and her husband's a retired pastor and he's been going through cancer treatment. So oh, okay. um, I saw on Facebook earlier today, they, they were at the hospital today. So I hope all is going well, Palma. Um, but she makes a good point. You know, so many churches um, it's a show every Sunday. And she said that she read something 
this week that said it's time to turn the stage in a church back into an altar. Um, you know, I think that, I think, you know, all the things that we've been talking about so far, it really comes from a place in which we look, we, we view the Sunday worship service as a worship of the people attending. Like we're worshiping ourselves and we're not worshiping the Lord. We make it an event to be attracted to rather than um, what it really is, I think, which is if it's true biblical worship, then our hearts and our minds are centered on Christ and the resurrection every single Sunday rather than what will, um, what pleases me. Mm. Um, Justin, you, you got anything to add to that? Well, no, I mean, I, I think sorry, sorry to, sorry to, yeah, no, I was just waiting. I'm sorry. I'm new at this. I'm new at this. <laughs> I'm used to being on the podcast with you and just listening to you the whole podcast. And so, <laughs> <laughs> this is new when I actually get to talk. Uh, <laughs> so, so, anyway, um, yeah, I, I just think about it, you know, try to think of it as biblically. In some ways, I don't know, just to put my cards on the table, I don't know that we treat this we should treat this any differently than we do any other Sunday. Um, you know, you think of first Corinthians 14 where, where the service is for the, for the gather, for the assembly, for the assembly of God's covenant people with the anticipation, the expectation that unbelievers will be there, but they don't cater to unbelievers. They, they worship, they, the service is built around, um, God's people, worshiping God, reading God's word, hearing God's word, singing God's word. And, and Paul says that's what's going to be attractive. That's what's going to be convicting. It's not going to be Easter egg drops or bunnies or whatever. And that would, get, that would be true for any Sunday, I think. And, you know, I just, the thing that just kind of pops around in my mind and something I've been thinking about more lately is sort of the regulative principle, right? As <laughs> it's like, it's not the Bible. We <laughs> a question whether we ought to really be doing it on, you know, in our worship services anyway. But I know that's sort of a philosophy. Sounds like you, sounds like you uh, have been reading and listening to too many reformed guys when you start bringing up the regulative principle. Well, no, I, mean, I think it's good. I actually <laughs> recommend a fantastic book um, that I just read recently. It's called Corporate Worship. It's part of the Nine Marks Healthy Church series is the latest one by a guy named Matt Merker. He wrote the song "He Will Hold He Will Hold Me Fast." If you're familiar with that song, yes, it's a it's a fantastic book. It's really helpful in a very practical way. Um, so, but anyway, that's really what's got me thinking about the regulative principle as much as anything. But again, I don't know that we should do anything any differently. And even to Mike, you know, you had mentioned earlier, there's only so many ways you can preach. Well, fine. Even if you preach the same sermon every Easter, I think we still need to hear that. Right. And we don't need to be novel. We don't need to be innovative. We just need to be like, this is the gospel. This is the resurrection. It's a big deal. Um, so there's a, there's some sort of movie coming out. It's a, another, you know, it's another Christian movie, but it's supposed to be kind of a comedy about a, um, I watched the trailer for it about a, uh, a guy who's a youth pastor at a mega church and his pastor is one of these big attractional guys, you know, he's coming in on zip lines and all this different stuff. And he's like, the, so he's with the senior pastor. He's like, I got to do something really big. It's Easter Sunday. And the youth pastor goes, you mean bigger than the resurrection? Right. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal that we're talking about. And again, you're right, Eric, this should be something that be, should be a part of our conversation every Sunday, but certainly on the resurrection Sunday. Yeah, well, and I think and that's where I kind of fall, you know, at least in, in preaching where I go, okay, like this weekend, I'm preaching on, on 1 Samuel 25. And I'm thinking, like, it, if, if the Word of God, right, is, is truly breathed out through the Holy Spirit, um, and, and Christ fulfills all of the Old Testament, then... Every sermon that I preach, no matter what chapter or set of verses, um, somehow it points to Christ. Um, it might not be apparent at first blush, right? Like you, if you're reading it just for the first time, then you might go, man, how did, what does this have to do with Jesus? And then as you read it and study it more, it becomes more apparent to you. 
Um, and, and as I was studying even this morning on, on the chapter that I'm preaching this, this Sunday, I go, man, this is, this is rife with allusions to Christ's um, grace and his mercy and, and how he uh, accomplishes the, the, um, the, the fullness of all that, that really David's leading up to. So um, I, I see in there, you know, the gospel. And I think that when we do that, when we're actively preaching Christ at the center of our sermons, regardless of what text it is, then maybe there's no reason for special sermons, you know, on, on, Hey, let's, let's preach on, you know, I just, I don't know. That's sounds free. Sure. So, so what are some good ways? What are some good ways we can do outreach around Easter time? Um, uh, Justin, you mentioned that all the examples that we've given so far aren't outreach. They're just attracting people to a place at a certain time. So how can we be going out and um, showing the gospel to people in during the time of Easter? Well, I mean, I don't have anything innovative or profound here. I think the gospel spreads as God's people go out into the world and share the gospel with their friends and family and neighbors. And that's really what we, we've got to get. We, we need to develop cultures like that in our church. And then and then that that's how the gospel is going to spread. That's what's going to be most effective in sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reality is most people who do come to your church, it's, it's very unlikely somebody's just going to walk in off the street on a Sunday morning cold, especially in New England. <laughs> I mean, um, but even around here. It's, there's always going to be some sort of personal connection or personal invitation, um, you know, associated with it. And so it's just so important that we learn how to share our faith with with other people and that we we equip our people to do it. And again, I know that's not like fancy. It's like everybody's like, well, that's not helpful. But that's the way it is. That's the way it's really going to work and it's really going to be effective. And we're really that's outreach going out. Uh, you know, if you have service, you know, if there are ways you can serve your community during this time, that's probably going to vary from community to community. But at the end of the day, it's just about people who know Jesus going to tell other people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you got? Because uh, <clears throat> Justin has nothing, apparently. Yeah, I don't have anything. <laughs> well, well, it gets back to the, you know, I think statistically, how I mean we I've I'm part of a local pastors group of the evangelical most of the evangelical churches here in Waterville and we work together well really well um, but the reality is we all recognize that those big outreach events do very little in terms of growing our churches um, and the reality is churches outside of you know you, you know having good music and, you know, good preaching and a clean facility or whatever. Um, the way churches t- tend to be growing, if they're growing at all here in this area, is because of some personal relationship with someone they have in the church. So really the outreach is less programmatic, although it's not wrong to have a program to invite somebody to. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the reality is the, the, the lights, you know, we come to be a fire on Sunday and then we go out to be torches during the week to, Mm. to spread the light. Um, and and so that's really, and so Easter, um, could be just that Sunday saying, Hey, listen, you're not going to stand out on Sunday. (laughs) So why don't you Mm -hmm. come? Because that's the Sunday to come and, and just check it out. And by the way, it's going to be like a normal Sunday, which is nice because this is what you can expect every week. Mm-hmm. Pandemic aside, because I don't think mm-hmm. any of us really look all that um, normal due to the, some of the restrictions that, that we have. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. You know, <clears throat> as, as you know, my church, we have really done a lot in the last few years in trying to be more outwardly focused. And, and it seems like almost every sermon I'm trying to help the people apply to their own lives, like how important it is to share the hope that we have in Christ with those around us, no matter where that is. And, and there's been a lot of, 
a lot of progress in, in my church, people seeing that. And I mean, I'm blessed with being part of a church that, I mean, loves the word of God. So if you show them in scripture, they go, Oh, cool. Let's do it. You know? So, so it's been, it's been wonderful. Um, and, and people want to, like, I, I really get the sense that my people really want to see their community know Jesus and glorify the Lord in that way. So it's been, it's been all, it's been pretty easy to, to navigate that. But I also see value in things where there can be collective activities mm-hmm. where uh, people are, are serving their community. Now it might not be expressly, you know, evangelism, so to speak, but it can be a way to serve the community where you get people outside their comfort zone and, and become more outwardly focused so that you're not just saying, Hey, do this on your own. Like I'm telling you this on Sunday. Now go, go do it on Monday. That is the expectation, but I know that's really difficult for some people to get to. So having other like collective activities like this past Saturday, um, we didn't have an Easter egg hunt and I don't really even know what to call it. Um, but we had like this resurrection egg series of stations and, and we had man close to a hundred people, half of which no one knew who they were. They were just people that showed up in the community that came through and, and we had um, this setup where we had 12 different stations and each one had an egg and it all led through to the last egg, which was the 12th one, which was the empty tomb. And it's, and it's really teaching the the story of of holy week and um and it's really cool because you have the opportunity to like talk to little kids and even their parents who are present and teaching them more about who jesus is but even even greater for me is to see like a third to half of the church like participating in that in in serving the community and seeing the impact that that uh we can have when we come together and when we go out and share the gospel. So, you know, we didn't have any Easter bunnies. Um, like I'm waiting for my wife to chime in here, uh, like the Kool-Aid man, because she hates Easter. Um, and she hates Easter, not <laughs> obviously not because of the resurrection, but if you think about it this way, you know, she wasn't raised in a Christian home. Neither was I. So to us, Easter had always been just like bunnies and Easter eggs and candy. And then you come to Christ and you go, what the heck? <laughs> you know, like, like, why would I go? Why would I ever go to a church that hosts the Easter Bunny? This is sacrilegious. Um, and, and, and I wonder if we've allowed the culture to dictate our norms as the church. Um, and I think that we need to adapt to the culture. And I'm, and I'm certainly cool with like with doing things like that. Uh, not like having the Easter bunny, but, but adapting to, to some cultural things, but there are certain lines you don't cross. And I think you're, you know, conflating Easter with a, with secularism and, and really they've co-opted the resurrection. Yeah, well, it creates a, it creates a syncretism. Yes. I mean, you, you really wind up getting something out of it. This not biblical Christianity in the end, right. and especially when you, I mean, you think about it from a child's perspective, Oh, uh, we go to Easter, we go to church, and we still talk about the Easter bunny and Easter eggs. Well, Jesus and his resurrection are just like the Easter bunny and Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah, no, uh earlier Meredith had talked about doing a, a uh Easter egg hunt and it just g- gained no traction. And and the reality is that's actually a few churches up here have stopped doing some things because of that exact issue is you get people say, all right, we'll see you next year uh, type of deal. And, and even my, uh, the, my church, we used to do every fall, a big dessert theater, which was really popular um, and really beloved. And people loved us as a church as being like the drama church. And there was some good relationships that came out of that. But the, it never transitioned to growth for the church. Mm-hmm. You know, we were well liked by a certain sector of the of the community, but our our, our church never really. I, I don't think. Again, we we hope that we planted seeds, and maybe other churches were able to water that and, and everything. But our church in particular, it never seemed to show grow in observable um, spiritual fruit, and uh, and. That doesn't mean we again didn't make some sort of long term impact, but even our our shows weren't necessarily gospel centered or anything like that. So I'm not quite sure um, what long term kingdom goal on that. But the reality is, we put in a lot of effort, 
<laughs> and we even even now like we wrestling with what we're the biggest thing we grew in as a church through that was our church family grew together because we got to serve next to each other mm-hmm. um, and you know the more and more i think about it if we look at the church as a family what we really should do is really function like that and we take people that are we we practice the the spirit of hospitality or the task of hospitality is you know you just invite someone into your normal daily life and routine and you get to know somebody through that rather than, you know, hey, we're going to throw this big, impressive dinner for you to come and eat. But don't expect this from us all the time because we're not that mm. kind of family. But the reality mm. is let's invite people into our normal rhythms in life and we get to see the gospel really impacting. But I think sometimes we can uh, think we need to impress people. Um, yeah. This this happened a few years, uh, many years ago, that one of our children's ministry leaders was just wrestling with, she was like, ah, you know, I just wish we, you know, we could, pr- you know, do a program that makes kids want to do this more than football. And I'm like, it ain't going to happen. We are not going to be able to compete with football. We're not going to be able to compete with this, that, or the other thing, because that those are worldly reasons. We have spiritual reasons, which are really is the Holy Spirit that that makes that change in the heart to help us recognize the importance of 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 being part of a church and its ministries um but the more and more i think about it is evangelism really is uh, uh, and even outreach of what are we what are we called to do normally as a church family as the church and how can we invite even strangers and that's really what hospitality is hospitality isn't having your family over mm-hmm. hospitality is having strangers over right um, into the natural rhythms of your family. Yeah. Um, yeah I think just uh, one thing is, is that might be helpful churches is the, if you do have special events or whatever, that would be really good if you can condition your people to personally engage people they don't know. Cause a lot of times people, you know, will have visitors and it's like, we expect the pastor to do to do that that's not nearly as meaningful as if three or four people from the church come up and introduce themselves and find out about them and that sort of thing so i think that's a really uh important skill we we should do that every sunday obviously but particularly as you think about doing events because those are the personal connections that are going to be more meaningful in the long run typically well you know the pastor should be doing evangelism but not because he's the pastor Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's because he's a Christian and that's to say that all Christians should be doing some form of evangelism, whatever that might be. And, you know, Palma makes a good point. sounds like the old outreach idea of the person, the web. Yeah. It's like so old. We find it in the book of acts, you know, like, <laughs> like it's, it's really old and, and it's really simple. It's, it's getting to know people that God has already put into your life and sharing the gospel and sharing your life with them. And, and that doesn't mean like, I hate the, well, you gotta, you gotta act a certain way or, or your life will show the gospel to them. And, and in a way it might like the got your, the gospel should be reflected in who you are, but ultimately it, it comes to a place where you should be compelled by the inner witness of the Holy spirit to share the hope that you have in Jesus with other people that you care about. And, and even if you don't care about those people, like meaning that you haven't developed a relationship, um, can, even if you consider that person the enemy, well, Jesus says we're to love our enemies too. So you're to share the gospel with your brothers and sisters. You're to share them with your family, your friends, but also your enemies. And so everywhere you go, you should be looking for opportunities. And I don't do this perfectly. And I bet you guys don't either. Like if I go to the grocery store, the last thing I'm looking for is a gospel conversation. Um, I'm usually just trying to go in there and get some bread and milk and get out, you know? Um, But that's not good. Like we should try to have the presence of mind to even develop relationships with the people that we get our groceries from or um, going to the same barbershops and the same, um, pizza places and get on a first name basis and, and earn the ability to, to share the gospel. Um, so it's not going to be through special events. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think something else to just sort of add into that, and you guys may not agree with this and that's okay, but um, I, I, 
you'll have sure you'll let me know if you don't but um i think we underestimate or devalue the the countercultural nature of the local church or the otherworldliness of the local church is as we think about that's often what makes it compelling to people is how different it is from the culture in which it exists to see a group of people, a group of people who in some ways don't really look like they belong together either. Um, you know, there may be different ethnically, socioeconomically or whatever, but they come together and they are really, they really worship in a way that's powerful and real and they don't do, you can't outworld the world. And that's what a lot of churches try to do. You know, we're embassies of a different of a, of another country as a local church. And so we fail to remember that sometimes. And so we, we assimilate ourselves way too much. To the cultures that are around us, I think, because uh, it's so easy to do and it's, it's a pragmatic thing to do, but it's often not that effective, I think. And I think that's something we just undervalue being different can actually be good and can be compelling to people. Mm-hmm. Right. hundred, hundred percent. Um, I like what Nathaniel shared. Uh, he said, at the grocery store, I intentionally go on the same day and time every week and look for the same cashier, particularly to have conversations and build a relationship. I mean, that, that in one way is so simple, but it, it does take intentionality. And I think it means a lot to people um, that are in those profet- – like, where people want to be noticed, right? People want to be valued. And when – you go out of your way to remember someone's name, um, especially someone who's serving you and show them that you value them. That goes a long way or tremendously long way. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, the problem, our problem is our Walmart where we buy our groceries fired everybody, and now it's all self checkouts. <laughs> <laughs> so, if we have to go somewhere besides the groceries, that's a great idea. Well, now you have to increase your food budget because it'll cost more to go somewhere else. Yeah, golly, that's right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think you know, I, I've often like wrestle with this idea as far as like choosing where to shop. Um, Because as Christians, I think that we're called to be part of our local community. That's where we're called to live and serve and to share the gospel. So like uh, we go to food line, which is a, which is a, you know, regional chain of stores, but I wouldn't mind shopping in a smaller supermarket, like a family owned supermarket or something like that. I just think they've, you know, they've been boxed out by the big box stores. So that's hard, but you know, we got a couple local restaurants that are they're privately owned. Um, prefer to go there, give them my money than than going to Domino's or or Little Caesars that would be less expensive. Um, because I rather give my neighbor the money, right? Like I rather I rather be for my I'm for my neighbor, um, and that's not to vilify the big companies. Because listen, my kid's favorite pizza is Little Caesars, so we do get it sometimes. But man, like. Who, need, who often needs that money more, Little Caesars or, you know? But isn't Little Caesars employing some of your neighbors? Yeah, for sure, man. And like they're good people. Like they're good people. Like yeah, love them, right. love them right yeah. there. But I'm just thinking of, you know, who I try to be intentional with where I send my money. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Steve asked why we keep changing the time. We've only changed the time of the program once, Steve. We changed it from two to one. And that so was my were, fault. And that was like two months ago, wasn't it? It was once yep. you started coming on the show, Mike. Yep. So uh, so if you want to blame anyone, blame Mike. As usual. So, so do we got anything else? Because it seems like we're kind of just talking in circles at this point. So, so jo- Justin, what types of things interest you? Ooh, is this 10 minutes to get to know Justin? 10 minutes to get to, to build a relationship. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um I, I, well, let's see. I mean, of course, I like being around my family as much as I can be. Um, my son's 12, so I figure he's probably not going to be putting up with me for too much longer. So I want to spend as um, much, 
you know, as much time with him as I can. Um, I love to ride my bike. Well, weather's getting better. So, um, and is it like just, a 12 speed? Uh, well, I guess technically it's 20. It's got 10 cogs on the back, two chain rings in the front, but, uh, it's a little bit older now. It's no, I'm no Kenny Lattimore. Um, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so I enjoy riding, um, read a good bit. I'm kind of a slow reader, so I don't read, get to read as much as I, I'd like to, but. Um, before we get to Easter baskets, hearing that your your son is is 12 years old, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of want to bring us back to last week's conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you explain to us how to have the talk with your children go? Yeah, no, it, you know, we sort of had um, part of that, and it was just super awkward. Like, <laughs> and, and I think part of it is, is that, that kids – mature so at such different ages mm-hmm. it's really hard i mean you know he's still very much um in a lot of ways a little, just a still a little a little boy and you know i want him to be that as long as he can absolutely um, and so it, it was yeah i mean it was wasn't it didn't go well i mean we you know we tried but it's just it's like <laughs> and I, I think that's reality i think you just kind of have to face it you know this is going to be awkward yeah. and let's just Let's just go ahead and get it over with. Pull the right. off. <laughs> I think that's part of it. We have, you know, sometimes I feel like my life motto is embrace the awkward, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and in that moment, just be really realistic. And this isn't going to, this is uncomfortable for all of us, but it needs to be done. And so let's just embrace the weirdness. So, of it. so um, my, you know, my wife homeschools, um, and she texted me earlier today and said that she was teaching the kids. Uh, they do a daily health class and she was teaching the kids about herpes. Uh, <laughs> and, and I immediately thought like, dude, if, if at my kid's age, if I had had at any age, at any age, had my mom sat me down to talk about herpes, I would have been permanently scarred. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, Meredith brings up the question of, can we talk about Easter baskets? I hate Easter baskets. And I'm actually glad you brought that up, Meredith, because my wife and I have for the past many years um, have wrestled with the idea of Easter baskets. Now I grew up with Easter baskets. You know, we would get a basket with that had candy in it and maybe a small, cheaper uh, toy of some sort and, you know, new church clothes, uh, Easter church clothes. Um, but we have yet to do like a formal church basket. Like we might buy the boys a chocolate Easter bunny here or there, but we've wrestled with the whole idea of a spending more money on more things. They don't need gifts for Easter, uh, especially because we can't, I've even tried to, and Justin, maybe you've done some more research on this or in, and Eric, even what are the historical what is the historical connection to the Easter bunny and delivering eggs and baskets? And I feel like it's very tenuous and it's hard to nail down the historical origins of it. Some sort of mythical God with a hair, I, I think I've read or some sort of thing. Now, what I've seen has a lot to do with sort of um, fertility. Okay. Kind of because rabbits and eggs. So yeah. there's that connection with spring and fertility. Okay. Yeah. You know. So that fits well with the talk. (laughs) So, so if you're looking for a time, everybody to have the talk with your children, Easter is a real great time, (laughs) but no, so our family, we don't do it. Although we're not necessarily um, like viscerally opposed to it, but at least with Christmas, you know, the gift of your, the son, Jesus Christ and, you know, generosity and this and that and everything. I mean, I guess you can have the same thing of a gift of resurrection and, and eternal life. You can kind of wrangle things around, but I, you know, in thinking back, right, what do I want to keep doing with my kids that we did as children, that I had as children, Easter basket has not been one of those things that we've decided to has ha- merits enough to keep it going. But I, I'll tell you, I think 90% of the families in our church do it. Pagans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Hey, my wife shared, we do actually do an egg hunt at our house, but we do it on the first day of spring rather than, rather than on Easter. 
because we try to divorce the two. So, um, Easter baskets. What's the problem with I don't understand the problem with Easter baskets. Uh, nor do I care. Uh, <laughs> so, I guess we probably just <laughs> – I just won't comment. <laughs> I think you just did, actually. Uh, my bad. Uh, so <laughs> – <laughs> so we got a few. We got four more minutes of getting to know Justin. Um, Justin, what is your favorite sport? Um, to play or to watch? How, why not both? Both. Um, probably the sport that I uh, professional football is probably the sport, sport I would watch the most. And then I guess the sport I most like to do is probably cycling. Mm. It- is that a sport? No, it's a yes, physical it's, activity. It's a sport. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lance. <laughs> uh, I'm just telling you. <laughs> um, I was really expecting you to throw in, like, uh, I, I was really thinking to watch, I peg you as, like, a cricket or curling guy and to participate ooh. in beach volleyball. I, I don't, really I, thought that's where I you were going. I was going to say croquet. I, thought I, don't you were say, I don't understand cricket because <laughs> – so something you may or may not know, um, India, they are just super crazy for cricket over there. Mm-hmm. They have multiple channels devoted to nothing but cricket matches. And so and I've been able to go a couple of times, and you'll turn on the TV, and it is just like I have no idea what's going on. I've had try, people try to explain it to me. I just I don't get it. I mean, it looks like fun, but I don't understand it, and it takes way too long to play. Um, but – uh, I used to play volleyball when I was younger, but I got old now. So. <laughs> and, and I and Glenn says, "What happened to basketball?" I got old. That's what happened to basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I decided I like to walk more than I like to play basketball. So, <laughs> so, uh, so go, but but there's more activity in uh, in cycling. I I thought you know there's a lot of walking in golf. Mm-hmm. Do you golf much down there? I don't, I don't really like to play golf very much. Um, I'm not very good at it. I decided a long time ago that golf is one of those things you have to do a lot to be good at, and I just never really – I don't know. I just always get frustrated when I play, so I don't play very often. So when you – do you mostly cycle outside, or do you have a Peloton in your, in your living room, and you have, like, someone encouraging you – uh, mostly outside, I can't afford a Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Justin, why don't you, um, as we're closing up here, can you give people um, one? I just want to touch on two things: triennial, uh, mm-hmm. because that's that's obviously around the corner, and and you are instrumental in in putting a lot of that stuff on. So, really, if anything goes wrong with triennial, we can blame you. Which is what right. happened the last triennial. That's what's happen, so go ahead and start now. <laughs> because last triennial, you wrote a very good article about the statement of faith, and and um, that went over like yeah, that was startling. you know. Um, so, <laughs> I lied in my career. So, so yeah, so triennial, <laughs> and then two. What is so the the church revitalization, church health stuff that you do? Um, you know, you do some consulting or coaching. What I'm not sure how you like to term it for churches in our denomination, free of charge, by the way. Um, so, could you just talk to those two things in whatever order um, you'd like? Well, I'll start with um, I'll start with Triennial, just because that's pressing. It'll come up April 21 through 23. We're doing it virtually. Obviously, it was supposed to be in August of last year, but we couldn't do it. And when we we set the April date for this year, thinking, well, we may be able to pull it off in person, but it just didn't look like it was going to ha- be able to happen then. Because we, we talked to a lot of people. We sort of did some informal polls, and people still aren't comfortable traveling even now. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do it virtually, so it will be online. You can find all the details at acgc.us slash triennial, or you can just go to acgc.us, and it'll be right there on the homepage. Uh, Meredith's done a great job uh, getting the page ready. It's got a uh, bios. Eric is running for member at large, so that's a big, big deal. Um, and uh, so we'll be electing officers and doing a little bit of business. It will be virtual, so it'll be different than it ever has been before. 
Uh, we're seven to nine each night. The first two nights, Wednesday and Thursday night, will be business meetings, kind of kind of things, reports, that sort of thing. And then Friday night will be sort of a worship service celebration. So you can register online. There's no cost to attend. Uh, you do have to register if you want to be able to interact at all with what's going on, particularly if you're going to be a delegate and want to vote. Uh, we will also be streaming it to live streaming it to YouTube at the same time. So that's triennial. As far as the church health work, you know, that's something that has taken a huge hit in the last year. Um, I haven't been anywhere since February of last year. Um, one, well, I have worked with um, you know, over the phone sort of uh, uh, some churches and did a church in our area recently, worked with them a little bit. Um, so coaching and consulting, we do both. Um, if there's a, just a particular issue, that's something that you just want to bounce something off of somebody, or if you want some guidance, we can certainly do that. We can do something more comprehensive like a church health assessment work and have a couple of tools now, different tools that we can use to do that. And that tends to be a little bit longer term uh, relationship, just uh, guiding people through the process. Because when you do something like that, it does it does take longer. You're not going to make those kinds of church health shifts and in just a couple weeks or a couple months. So those tend to be longer relationships. Um, you know, we also try to recommend resources, good resources from time to time. So um, that's just kind of in a nutshell what we do. Yeah. Well, you came, I mean, man, maybe six or seven months after I came to my church here, Hickory Grove, uh, you came and did kind of a, a triage type deal with, with my uh, leaders and myself. And it was really, it was really helpful, really eye-opening. And it was great to have you leave and go, man, this is the greatest church in the whole denomination. Um, you know, really, you guys should be teaching everybody else about church health. And uh, that was that was really good. I really thought you were going to end with, it was really great to have you leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was really good. I can, you know, um, you know, it was, it was very positive. Everybody had a very positive experience with, with Justin. He did a really good job. And if I remember correctly, you like drove up that day and left that, that night too, right? Like you yeah. just came up for, for a few hours and um, it was really simple, really easy. And uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. So, I mean, I appreciate that. That's really kind, but at the end of the day, I'm somebody who really, we, we exist as an organization to serve the local church. If we can't do that, then we don't need to exist. And so my, my goal is I just, I have a love for the local church. want to see it flourish. want to see them be healthy and and any way I can help facilitate that is something I really want to do. And um, having the ability, you know, now after three years, I've got some more tools and um, to, to be able to do it with and a little bit more experience to be able to do it with as well. I Justin, think could you? Oh, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say Meredith's comment, Justin is a great mediator, meeting facilitator. I would agree with that. And I think it's his, uh, his just his perpetual disinterest. Mm -hmm. People know that, <laughs> that they cannot impress him, that they cannot sway him. He is just the calm, the, the, you know, even things here have been very subdued and more mature because of his presence. I mean, well, it even works through a screen. Yeah, I used to be a professional poker player, which is why I'm like this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't, I didn't think they allowed poker players in the Advent Christian Church. Well, that was a former life. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I loved Glenn's suggestion that pastors <laughs> should video themselves encouraging you, and you could play it back while you're cycling, passing yeah. through Peloton. Right. Yeah. 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 I like it. Um, <laughs> So, so Justin, I'm really curious, and this is, you know, this is probably something I'd ask you off air, but hey, why not now? What's, what are some tidbits, like some easy tidbits that you've learned over the last couple of years as you graduated with your master's in, in church revitalization? Um, like, what are some real things that you're like, oh, wow, I never realized this or, or, you know. Well, you know, I think what the thing that I've learned is just how we overly complicate what it is to be a church and what it is to be a healthy church. Um, healthy churches tend to start in their pulpits. 
they tend to start with pastors who faithfully preach and proclaim God's word. And typically, in a, you know, um, if you look at anecdotally and both in research, the type of, of preaching that tends to bear the most fruit, particularly in revitalizations, is expositional preaching. Um, so I think that's a, that's a real key. Um, I think we, we, again, we tend to overestimate novelty and overvalue it. And the other thing I think is just really um, develop how important developing a, a culture of discipleship is in a church is so critical because we tend to have this sort of mass production mindset about discipling where it sort of all just happens from the pulpit or from on the Sunday morning at Sunday school or whatever, rather than understanding that the, the church is really about being in one another's lives and holding one another accountable and helping, you know, um, you know, I think Mark Dever calls discipleship something like helping each other walk closer to Jesus or something like that. And I think that's really kind of, again, none of that stuff, you know, like this is not really helpful, probably is what people are thinking, but I think this is the truth. And we just kind of miss that. We overcomplicate it a lot. You know, it's just like preach the word, pray the word, sing the word, demonstrate the word. You know, I mean, it's like these, these are not hard concepts, but um, I, I think it's just real basic. And the the I guess the one thing that is, is clear to me is how important leadership is in those process and that process and how typically a solo pastor can't do it on his own, but he's got to be on board. He's got to have leadership that goes with him. So. That's good. I like it. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Justin, for sharing yeah. us. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. This is great. This is, I'll have to write this down in my diary because this is like the first time I've been on the, famous Bible banter. Is it, <laughs> well, is it, is it Bible know. banter or Bible and banter? I'm Bible and banter. And banter. Okay. Bible and yeah, banter. That, the logo needs a little updating. They were rebuked way back at the beginning for taking yeah. the Bible too lightly. And yeah. so now it's Bible and banter. Now okay. we still take it lightly. We just, you know, we just change the name to make it seem like we take it, sure. you know, less lightly. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, great, especially on a short notice. So yeah, yeah, was, uh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. If I don't seem prepared, it's because I'm not. <laughs> well, you neither are we. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Mike, you got any closing closing thoughts? Nope. Cool. Um, hey, keep keep uh, Luke and Lindsay and their and their child in prayer. Um, I actually texted with Luke this morning, so things seem to be going well. So um, that's good stuff. So we'll we'll see you guys next week. We hope you have a blessed Easter. May the gospel be preached this Sunday and every Sunday. God bless you guys. Take care. <laughs>